This is a Hot Pie Original. If you like Stop Self Sabotage, check out another Hot Pie Media Original, The Blueprint, brought to you by The Festive Kitchen, now offering comfort food hugs. Find them at www.festivekitchen.com. I'm with uh, Jennifer and Jessica, uh, Carol, thank you. I don't know who's the mom and who's the daughter. Who knows? You know, you guys make up your own mind. I know. I know. A little bit of flattery goes a long way. I'll take it. Of course. All right. I want to read this quote first, and then we're going to start talking. He who has his health has a million wishes. He who doesn't have his health has only one. I love that. And how true is that? And you regrettably have lived that experience. Tell me first about each one of you separately. Jennifer, we'll start with you. Tell me a little bit about your bio background. Then we'll talk to Jessica here. Well, I am a wife, mother, not necessarily in that order, wife, mother. And then I was, I broadcast news journalist, speaker, author, caregiver sadly yes widow and now an illuminated lady (laughs) illuminated i love that yes great thank you thank you how about you jessica uh, jessica tell us a little bit about you so i am a television host and i do speaking with my mom i also coach young women of all ages, really, to help bring out the confidence in themselves. I have a YouTube channel and then I do red carpet reporting for LA Live. Oh, how fun is that? LA Live, red carpet. So much fun. Coming back, coming back, I'm sure. All right. I but I bet I know, but you have shared in a horrible experience, but you have um, grown and learned. And I want to hear about that. Uh, what's you, you guys go back and forth as you will. I'll ask some questions, but let's start with you, uh, Jennifer, for sure. Tell me about what happened. What happened? Well, um, at the age of 47, my beyond invincible husband who um, was just a go big or go home guy who manifested this remarkable life, who never said no to anything <laughs> ever, who just somehow miraculous. I think he actually knew somehow that he had to cram a hundred years into 50 mm. because he really, at the end of his life, he actually said, I have nothing left on my bucket list, which at 50 is remarkable. That is remarkable. He Then he added that he has one last thing and he wants to be a great grandpa. Yeah. So sadly, he did not live out that um, last bucket wish, but he certainly did everything else. But Phil, his greatest attribute was this. He was Mr. Positive. He was Mr. Positive. And but he just never let anything get him down. And I mean, it's easy to be positive, right? When things are going well, but when things are being challenged and we're hearing words like I'm leaving, you're bankrupt. You're, you know, you're, you're, you have stage four prostate cancer yes. and you're fighting for your life. Yes. That is when it was amazing to watch this man stay positive and stay focused. And he was really incredible. He almost like he had these bulletproof risk guards on and he just repelled negative. Mm. If someone turned on a show and it was, it was aggressive and violent, it got turned off. If someone was gossiping, 
they got shut up. <laughs> and if the doctor started saying, you know, Phil, this cancer's progressing and it's time, he'd say, you know what, doc, I only want to hear the positive. He really did um, fight the battle, but at the age of 47, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer and he died at 52. Mm, um, way too young. But, right. And, you know, you know, and that, he was this amazing man. I wrote a book, Beyond Invincible, about him. his legacy. Yes, yes. But, you know, like many, our greatest attributes can be our biggest demise. And in the end, I think that is what happened in Phil's case and is that this Beyond Invincible, this man who just believed he could never be stopped, never went to the doctor, didn't believe in going to the doctor, ran marathons, ate organic, you know, just was that guy and had symptoms. Did everything, everything positive he could do except visit a doctor. And Mm -hmm. do you know why he wouldn't go? Did he have a belief about that? He just literally, because he was young and he was fit and he ate organic and he knew his own body and he just kind of thought he just could handle it all. He was that guy, that kind of entrepreneurial alpha male personality that honestly bragged about, oh, I've never been to a doctor. I don't go to the doctor. And you know what? In the end, he just didn't value health number one. And that has honestly become probably one of, sadly, his lessons that he learned too late and a lesson that is now part of his legacy is that when you talk about Phil Carroll to people that know him and know our story, these are people that are getting checked and are valuing health number one. Yes. You can't, you know, you can't scale up your life. You can't scale up your business. You can't scale up your relationship with your children, your marriage, your staff, if you're six feet under. And he learned the hard way that health has to be number one. Yes. Yes. Sadly, we learned that lesson the hard way. Yes, of course. I mean, so often that's the case, as we know. So, um, Jessica, what is the lesson that you learned from your dad? You watched all this happen. You were right there by your mom's side. I, I saw this wonderful video of you giving a speech together. And uh, tell me a little bit about your story with this. How, so- how old were you at that time? So I lost my father at 21, but he was diagnosed, you know, a few years before that. And actually he, what he became very sick when I was in college and I was a lot like my dad, I was like, you know, we were both like the energizer bunnies and we kind of just never said no to anything. Like no really wasn't in our vocabulary. I've kind of grown up with my nickname. Yes, Jess. (laughs) And just like, just like my dad, how dad never missed a dance recital. Dad never missed one of my brother's hockey games. Dad never missed an opportunity to hear mom speak. Dad never missed a dinner. He never missed a party. He just kind of did it all. And I'll never forget. I was a junior in college and dad was really sick and I, you know, would fly home as much as I could just to spend these quality weekends with my dad. And it was at the beginning of my junior year and I flew home and I was just so pumped to sit down with dad and tell him about all these exciting things I had coming up. I had just got this brand new internship at E! News I got into the sorority I wanted to. I got all the classes into all the classes I wanted. And I just got this new job working for LA Live. And I had the Emmys coming up where I got 
to interview all these celebrities on the red carpet. I had like the perfect dress. So I'm just rambling. I'm rambling, holding dad's hand, just like going crazy, but all these exciting things. And I will never forget. He looked at, he looked up and I just, I mean, I just knew dad was going to be so proud of me. And he looked up and he just had tears in his eyes. And he said, Jessica, he held my hand. He said, Jessica, I am so proud of you, but please remember you don't have to do it all. And he said, Jess, I want you to slow down, meditate and sleep. And honestly, it caught me off guard. Yeah, I had never heard those words out of my go big, go home, energizer dad, where no wasn't even in his vocabulary. Like I honestly, I couldn't believe what I was hearing from my father because it just wasn't him. Right. And he, and, and he just said, you know, Jess, I was a workaholic and I was addicted to the next deal. And you know what? I learned that too late. Mm -hmm. So if there's one thing I want you to remember, it's slow down. And then he held my hand a little bit tighter and he said two words that I will never forget. And still to this day, I get choked up. And he just said, I'm sorry. And you know what, for anyone listening, you don't have to be sorry that you still have time to slow down. You have time to recognize your symptoms. You have time to meditate. You have time to sleep because the self-care is so important. Self-care is business care. You can't, you know, just like my mom said, you can't scale your business. You can't grow old with the woman you love. You can't walk your daughter down the aisle. You can't watch your son play an NHL hockey game if you don't slow down and take care of yourself and value health number one. Yes. Yes. So, you know, the show of course is on self-sabotage. So this was a man who did everything, believed he could do everything, but on some level, did not really understand um, that his that he could sabotage his, his health by mm-hmm. trying to do too much. So at the end of his life, he got that clearly. And he got that he should have gone to the doctor. He should have made that a priority. So it, as you speak to... YEO, Young Entrepreneurs Groups, and EO, Entrepreneurs Groups. I know you're very big in that world. (laughs) Tell me what you tell those men. Tell me what you say from a wife and a child to mostly men sitting there. I'm, uh, you know, assuming in your audience. What do you tell them to take away? (laughs) Can I? So I tell them a little story. My, our, her brother, my son, played professional hockey. And when he was still at the um, WHL level, Western Hockey League level, is when his father was sick. And I went to see one of his games one time. I went to also um, see him and bring Austin home to see his dad, which ended up being the last time he saw his dad. And as I was going to watch the game, one of the coaches came out on the way to go on the ice and he said, came up to me and he just said, I I hear that Phil's very sick. May I ask what he has? 
And I said, prostate cancer. And this big, burly hockey co- Canadian hockey coach said, prostate cancer? Gosh, I thought everybody survived prostate cancer. I said, well, yeah, if you're yeah, 97% of the men do survive, if they are on it and they are early diagnosed, they can survive. But Phil wasn't that guy. And then I looked at Coach Jeff and said, so how old are you? And he said, 51. I said, you get checked, right? And he goes, oh, no, gosh. No, I'm, look, I'm on the ice with the guys. I, I'm an epitome of health. Look at me. And no, and I, besides, I, I hate going to the doctor and I definitely <laughs> oh. don't like, you know, getting a check there, if you know what I mean. Well, you know, we go through phases of grief, even during, I think, the grieving process of sure. knowing someone's passing. And, and I, in that moment, hit the phase of anger. <laughs> and I am a non-confrontational person. And I just literally, looking at this coach about to go in the ace, I just started panting and having it like a literally like an anxiety attack. And I looked at him and it was just like I was looking at Phil and I said, what? Yes. What, are you, what are you talking about? No, you go in and you get checked. And if you don't do it for yourself, you do it for your wife and you do it for your kids. And you do it so that one day you can walk your daughter down the aisle and you can watch your son play out, you know, play hockey and you can grow old with the woman that you love. Because my Phil, my Phil, he can't do that because he is home and he's dying because he never went and got checked. I said, you go in and you get checked and you you bend over and you take it like a man. <laughs> love that. I know I've heard that before. And I, from you, and I, I, I was hoping you would say it, bend over, over and take it, it like, like a man. This yes. Guy, this big coach was like thrown back. And I think he's not used to having some mom take a strip off him. I'm sure. So fast forward, you know, a couple of months, Phil has passed away. I'm back in Vancouver or Victoria and I'm with Jesse and coach Jeff comes up after one of the games. Now and he <laughs> gives me a hug and gives us his condolences and. And then he kind of leans in and says, Jen, by the way, went into the doctor, got checked and bent over and took it like a man. (laughs) (laughs) And and then he goes, and you know what? When the doctor, you know, was putting on his glove, I said, Doc, I'm doing this for a woman and it's not my wife. And honestly, I love that. Story, and I am known like, no, it is so funny. I, though. I am known people at Genius Network or actually even <laughs> my boyfriend the other day. He goes, hey, guess what? Bent but, over. Took, took it like, like a man. man. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I think I think you have a real uh, uh, a mantra there for a prostate commercial. I really do. I think you guys <laughs> should get on YouTube and do this. I mean, oh. it's, I well, you know. Through all of these lessons, though, yes, we talked to a bunch of, you know, entrepreneur groups and genius network and business organizations, but we also really talked to the spouses and the, the women because my mom and I, you know, everyone has a story. Everyone, yes, you know, deals with whether you're taking care of someone who has cancer or you're chasing after three little rugrats at the house or, you know, you're married to a serial entrepreneur or you're in college and you're trying to say yes to everything, no matter what, you still have to take care of yourself. That's right. And, and, you know, when, like when I lost my, my father, who was my person, I went from this energizer bunny, you know, yes, yes, girl to, 
I fell into like a very deep, deep depression. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you there were days when my alarm would go off when I was, you know, was supposed to be living my senior year in college. And all I wanted to do was grab my sheets and like put them over my head and just hide in like this dark hole. And I, I had to realize that, you know what, this is not the type of life that I can continue to live. And that whether my dad was alive or not, I had a choice to make it a great day. And, and I realized the power of your mind. And that if you really put your mind to and visualize like the great day ahead, you can have a great day. And so I'll never forget. There was like one day when, you know, I was just like, the thought of even getting out of bed was like too much energy. And I had to snap myself out of it. I had to snap myself out of this funk and I knew I had to do it myself. Yes. And so I, I said that I got out of bed and I decided to put on something really hot pink (laughs) because I think that pink is not a color. It really is an attitude. (laughs) I decided. I love that ditch the gray sweats and that I had to get out of the spunk I was in. And that's when I became obsessed with morning routines. And I realized that if you can really master your morning and wake up what we say, wake up big mm-hmm. and big stands for begin in, in gratitude. gratitude. So if you can wake up and really focus on what you're grateful for and visualize your great day, then you will have a great day. And if you can master your morning, you really can master your life. And so I did some research and I came up with like a simple five-step morning routine. And I did it literally every single day for I still do it. Like my morning is my value mm-hmm. time. And if I don't, if I don't have that valuable morning time, you don't want to be around. Me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and I share this and it's a simple five-step morning routine. I call it my value morning. As you can tell, mom and I are really big into acronyms. Yeah. So each letter <laughs> of the word value is a different step. And I shared at workshops and I, And I just think that, you know, if you can really master your morning, you can master your life and begin with begin in gratitude and all it is begin in gratitude. And if anyone listening wants to download my morning routine, it's, it's on my website. And actually mom and I tell us, tell us, we want to hear it. Come on. Don't hold back. What's your, what's your five step (laughs) morning routine? Oh, yes. So the, um, the five steps are, it's, it stands for value. So V is wake up and visualize. Mm-hmm. I think manifestation is so important. And so if you can really visualize your great day ahead, and the first thing you do is just write down three things you're grateful for, for that day. Like we said, start big. So begin mm-hmm. in gratitude. Then A is action. And this is when you take your to-do list, which I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like my to-do list is like as long as those CVS receipts. <laughs> you know how long those are? It's like, it just kind of keeps going and keeps yes, going. Well, yes, yes, take yes. your long to-do list and then just circle your top three must-dos that day. And if you get more done, great. But if you just focus on three, you won't get overwhelmed. Right. So write down your three to-dos and then take action. 
The other part of the action step is it's important to determine when you're going to work, but more importantly, when you're going to play that day. And Mm -hmm. I think that no matter how much you have going on, what age you are, it's so important to play every day and have fun every day. And it could be even just taking your dog for a walk or getting your nails done. Just play every day. Then L is for love. And this is again, self-love, but Mm -hmm. more importantly, expressing love to at least one other person that day. And for me, what I love to do in my morning is to express love, express gratitude. So instead of sending a text message every morning or a phone call, because you just, you don't know how long those phone calls are going to last. I send (laughs) a message of gratitude, which is a voice message. So if you have an iPhone where that little text bubble is, there's like a little circle and you can actually push and hold it so that you send a voice message and they get the message, but they also hear your voice behind it. Nice. Yeah. I send a voice message every single morning just Mm -hmm. to the person that I wake up thinking about. And then you is for unplug. So this is when you meditate or you you know, read, or you read a devotional, or you read out of the Bible, or you, you know, do some breath work, you just kind of take a moment for yourself. And I think that that just helps ground you throughout the day so that you can respond properly instead of just reacting. And then E is exercise. And I really think that movement is medicine. Mm -hmm. So if you can move your body whether it's a simple stretch, a full workout, a walk, whatever it is, but move your body because movement and just getting out in nature, enjoying the sunlight, clearing your head, so important every day. So that's my little five-step morning routine. And what's really exciting too, is mom and I are actually in the process of writing a book. On kind of like on your morning morning routine, I'm I'm thinking yes. So yes. it is the morning routine is going to be a big portion of it, but it's going to be kind of more of like a fun, fab, frisky workbook. How to rediscover what turns you on? Yes. So it's going to be all of these lessons we've learned to really ignite that light in you mm-hmm. and ha- kind of just have fun feel fabulous and kind of more frisky. Get a little more frisky. (laughs) (laughs) It's never too late to rediscover your fun. Well, well, we need to talk about that frisky some at another time, you know? Okay. That'd be fun. Um, So what part of what I love is that you are teamed up to do this as well. And you have um, seemingly a really lovely relationship in which you went through this together and came out with new perspectives for both of you. You have now done speaking together around the country. Is that, are you still, I mean, of course pandemic, but are you still doing that? Are you still, you know, on the road telling people about your story? Not as much. I mean, of course, the pandemic, we were traveling quite a bit initially when the book first came out. And we also hosted a women's couple of women's retreats um, that were great. They were here in Scottsdale. And we're moving forward. We're, we're going to start doing some day events, fun, fab, frisky, illuminate your day event for women. And so we're do, hosting those right now, too. Oh, fun. Where's the next one? Yeah. 
It's going to be in Arizona, sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. And we are definitely going to have a lot of fun together. And the theme is Fun Fab Frisky. So we're going to do a little art, a little all-day rosé, have some great speakers talking about importance of gut health and well and, and um, mental wellness and physical wellness. So we're going to do some movements and, and our frisky is that we're going to learn a little line dancing. So it's going to be a really fun day. So we're going to host that. And we're going to try to host those every month. Ah, fun. Starting. Yeah. So we're, that's our little exercise. We're doing this book and we're, we're going to host these really fun day events for women. Well, having, yeah, having a daughter um, that's older than you are, um, uh, Jessica, I just am so envious of getting to spend time, You this time that you guys get to spend together, you know, because it does seem when your daughter grows up that there is a, you know, a natural division that happens, but you have collaborated on so many things brought together by this legacy of, of your father and your husband. And what did you think, Jennifer, you learned, um, for, you know, the most about being his caregiver there with a cancer diagnosis? How did you take care of yourself during that? So I learned, um, my greatest lesson during that I was his concierge. He called me his concierge. Uh, was from a little little lady, little sick lady in a big chair, and I had taken Phil for his chemo. And he was not a great patient. I'll tell you, he was not used to having to have people tell him what to do, especially stick his arm on and get needles and get stuck with, you yeah. know. Anyway, he was not the best patient, so it was tough going to chemo. And I was there one day, and he's ordering me around and. Well, you know, the nurses aren't doing things right and they poked him in the wrong spot and it's just not a great scenario. And I walk, finally got him settled and I walk to go to the bathroom and there was this little lady. And when I say little, she was just this little waif, you know, tiny little frail looking woman yes. older than me. And she was sitting in this massive chair, leaning back at this chemo chair, just and as I walked by her, she didn't smile when I smiled at her. She kind of scowled at me and she leaned in and goes, come here. <laughs> and it rattled me because I don't, I avoid conflict. I don't know what I could have done. I thought she was going to give us heck for being loud and whatever. She, and she puts her finger up and she looks at me and she says, you take care of yourself. And I thought, what? She goes, you take care of yourself. Because mm. I was here. I was here two years ago. My husband had cancer and I was where you are. And he was barking at me and he was angry and I was there for him. And I took care of him and he died. And I am now two years later have cancer and I'm here and I'm alone. <laughs> and it rattled me. Yes. And I, of course I asked, well, I'll do, I mean, you're not alone. I'll take care of you. She says, no, my son's coming next week, but I just was watching you and I needed you to know. I yeah. wish I had someone stick their finger in my face two years ago <laughs> and tell me to take care of myself. And so I started from that moment on, I love to work out as Jesse says, move your body. It's mentally and physically nurturing to me. And I just literally started working out every second day with the trainer, Jason, who I still keep in touch with. And I remember this one time, Jason, we're lifting weights and he just randomly goes, so Jen, what one fun thing are you doing today? 
And I literally like glazed over like a deer in the headlights. I'm like, I'm thinking about, oh, I have to go get Phil and I got to get him his wheelchair in the car and then I got to drive him and it's going to be horrible and it's six hours. And, and I kind of thought, you know what, Jason, I'll, I'm going to have to get back to you on that. And then I started doing some other work. And then all of a sudden I remembered it was Monday and the bachelor was on <laughs> and Phil and I watched the bachelor together. Cause you know, it was the bachelor. So all these beautiful women are running around in bikinis. So it wasn't a hard sell to get Phil to watch the bachelor. <laughs> that was kind of a big thing we did. And I realized that that was my one fun thing. And then the day played out. And instead of it being as horrible as it was on chemo days, I got Phil in the car. I started driving him and he's like, oh, Jen, I'm going to be sick. Pull over. And I immediately go, Phil, the bachelor's on tonight. Like, who, you know, who do you want to win? And he started chatting about his favorite girl, Brittany and blah, blah, blah. And, and didn't have to pull over. Didn't throw up. Mm. And then we got there just as the nurse was about to poke him the wrong way. I'm sure, you know, with the needle, I go, Phil. So why do you particularly think Brittany is a good fit for the bachelor? And he starts going off and, I, and never yelled at the nurse. And then we watched The Bachelor that night and it was even just more illuminating. Sweeting. Yeah, more sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And sweeter. From, and that from that moment on, Phil and I both agreed and it's carried on to even now and into our women's days and our women's retreats is that sometimes in life when it is dark and we don't want to get out of bed, sometimes all we need is one fun thing. Yeah. One fun thing to focus on. Yes. To put out there, to look forward to, mm -hmm. to reflect on. And even when it happens to talk about after. And so even, and even during COVID man, this, that, you know, 2020 and beyond every day was part of my morning routine was to write down one fun thing that I was going to do that day, no matter what. And, and I just, that's, so that is something that I learned as Phil's concierge and that has carried on and is now what we share at these women's groups is the importance of having that fun and that play in your yes, life. Yes. Yeah, of course. And, you know, as, yeah. as women, we, we tend to be so responsible, don't we? We tend to take mm -hmm. care of everyone else first. And, um, there's a story I, I remember from one of my patients and she, she was saying that she had her mother over for dinner. Maybe you can uh, identify with this, Jess. And uh, she made her mother's favorite dish, which was chicken backs. She made all these chicken backs. And her mom sat down and, and she said, well, you know, what do you think, mom? And her mom looked at her. She goes, yeah, it's okay. And she goes, well, it's your favorite dish. It's what you always ate. And her mother said, I only ate it because I gave you all the white meat. Of course, oh, of course. So we do. We give everybody else the white meat and we are left with the backs. So claim your fun, claim your, claim yes. your life, claim something what, for yourself. Yeah, what turns you on? Like That's discover right. it and look, sometimes you have to look really deep. And you know, what's even funny is we still do it to this day. And we actually were from Canada. So we had to go to Canada last <clears throat> summer and we had to do 14 day of quarantine we could not leave our house, my mom, my brother, and I. And when we first entered, we're like, oh my gosh, we are going to <laughs> like <laughs> strangle each other after 14 days. But we're like, you know what? We pulled out a piece of paper and we had, we made 14 boxes. And every day we would take a picture on a Polaroid of our one fun one thing, thing and nice. we focus on it that day. And some days it was, you know, <laughs> 
finishing, finishing our puzzle just to figure out that there was one, one piece. Let's just say, that darn puzzle out. One piece, you know, or it was like running through the sprinklers with the dog or yeah, whatever yeah. it was. But we yeah. focus on the one fun thing. And honestly, looking back, we actually had the best 14 days of quarantine because we focused on only the fun and only the positive and just kind of ignored the negative. One fun thing. I love that. That's a great title for the book, actually. Um, Okay. So Jess, how did you turn your pain into a purpose? I mean, it sounds like you, you were very young and you got yourself out of the depression Um, I'm sure that took a while. I mean, that's not, this is not a fast process, but how did you do that? You know, and honestly, it was really, it was the morning routine that I shared with you. It was recognizing that, you know, whether my dad was alive or not, I had the choice to, you know, take this situation and make it something. And so I, you know, really focused on this morning routine. And then I started hosting workshops of just, and sharing that, you know, one thing I realized when dad passed is that you have to, in life, first of all, love is the most important thing. And that, you know, my nickname was Yes, Jess. And I grew up with a dad who just kind of said yes to everything. But more importantly, you need to step back and realize you actually can't say yes to everything and you need to reevaluate and recognize what are the things that you need to say no to so that you can say yes to what really matters in life. Yes. And what really matters in life are your core values. And, and I now host workshops for young girls and I help them figure out what are their core values. Mm -hmm. You know, growing up, we had our five core values, faith, family, friends, fitness, which is like health and finance, which is your work. And if something didn't fall under our five core values, you had to say no to it. And it just kind of helps you prioritize what really matters in life Mm -hmm. so that you can still say yes to the things and the people and the opportunities that are going to lead you down the path you want to go to. And it just helps you say no to the things that aren't going to add value to your life. Sure. So still to this day, I'm yes, yes, but I just realized you need to understand what to say no to so that you have the time and energy to say yes to the things, the people, the opportunities that really matter. Well, in, in some ways, your yeses don't mean anything if you don't have a no. Exactly. You have to have a boundary. You know, you really can't say yes to everything. I mean, if you did, you, you'd sign up for 120 different life insurance policies, you know, or whoever called you for the, your next cell phone, phone transfer. So, well, I mean, dad, he <laughs> never said no. And he, you know, Caught he, up with him. he had to say, I'm sorry, because he believes that that's what, why he got cancer. Yes. That he just never slowed down. He never said no. Yeah. 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 Well, he would know. Okay. So Jennifer, you and your lovely daughter are now getting through um, this loss. And how long has it been since you've lost your husband and father? Eight and a half years, eight and a half years. Goodness. Wow. And, and the transformation of the grief, how has that changed both of you? Well, I, I feel, you know, it's there. Um, it sucks. I've come to realize that 
you have to just lean into the suck and let it wash over you. And that we, I, I feel like you don't maybe ever really get over it. You just get through it. Yes. And I, that there's a compartmental, there's a place for Phil. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's certainly, I mean, I've written books about him that I'm hoping his grandkids do get to know him through the lessons that I share his philosophies of life in this book. And, um, but I, you know, I, I really, I don't know. I've learned a lot of amazing things. And, you know, I think the greatest thing that I, we learned, and I, we learned it from a hitchhiking monk in Dharamshala, India. I could like to know about our hitchhiking monk. I so am fascinated. We went, to, yes. we went to India. We had this amazing experience in India. India is an incredible place. It just, it is, it is a country of contrasts. It is just the poorest of the poor, but then wealth in beauty and color. And it's, it's amazing. I've been there. I I do know. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm talking about. It really is. a. Mm -hmm. So we go to India. When you're in India, what do you do? You go see the Taj Mahal and you meet the Dalai Lama, right? Well, if you're you're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we thought we got to meet the Dalai Lama. So we went to Dharmshala on the Tibetan border and we called a cab and this was not a cab that pulled up it was a rickety old van that was looked like it was coming from a junkyard and I was it was shocking that it was driving and I got I was so out of my comfort zone we got in this van I got in the front seat and I couldn't get the window down and it was in the middle of February so it was cold and the guy you know wasn't wasn't explaining why the window wouldn't go down but I'm hanging on to this open window and we start meandering up this very windy mountain to the ashram of the Dalai Lama to meet said Dalai Lama. And there is a, I mean, a cliff on one side, potholes the size of cows in the middle of the road, three lanes of traffic on a two. I mean, it is so out of my comfort zone. And I'm praying that I don't decorate the inside of this van or that we please don't have the brakes (laughs) fail. And all of a sudden, as I'm white knuckling the outside of this, the, the open window of this van, I hear the sound of a bell, yeah. a bell from a bike. And I'm like, how the heck is a bike? And sure enough, in this cracked side mirror, I see this monk on a pedal bike with his gold robe shoved between his legs, pedaling, falling, uh, pedaling, ringing, calling. And it was like he was saying, help, wait. And he came right up to the side of our van and smiled this big smile at me. And I'm like, what's going on? And then he did something so profound. And it's just the metaphor of it is just is one of the greatest lessons that we've ever learned. And that is he just reached out. And as simply as this is, he held on. He held on to our van and we carried him all the way up to the top. Oh, Oh. And the and and I realized, and I literally sat there and smiled at this monk and 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 learned the life lesson to the core. And that is sometimes in life, when we are climbing mountains and there is cliffs on one side, and we're in a rickety old van, and we are afraid, <laughs> and we are don't know where we're going, and we feel insecure. And you know, sometimes all we have to do is reach out and hold on oh. to our vans, My goodness. our people, our mentors, our pastors, our family, our friends, our, our, our people, we need to reach out and hold on. Yes. Yes. And ask for help and ask is an, is an acronym for appreciate someone's knowledge because we know 
how great it is to be appreciated. Well, we want to give that gift of appreciation. So reach out and ask for help. And sometimes it's just around one corner and then you can let go and you're on your way. But we really learned that lesson. And you're probably wondering, did we ever meet the Dolly Lama? Oh, I was. I was so indeed. We, <laughs> we, did. we did. We actually met the Dolly Lama. We had like 20 minutes one-on-one, just mom and I, with the Dolly Lama. And I remember we were we, we actually got to like, on to us. He held on to us. And in the middle of it, mom goes, Jess, will you stop petting the Dolly Lama? Skin was like butter. Skin was literally like butter. So soft. It's all that yak juice or yak. Yeah. Oh, and you know, when I've seen him interviewed, he seems to be such, speaking of fun, he seems to be a man of humor, a man of joy. Did you experience that? And he giggled and he just, and then, yeah. But there was like a special piece around him. You know, like he just gives off this calming. Yeah. It's just, he's just so, his energy is so contagious that you just want to like take a deep breath and and breathe out and just with a big oh, smile on your face. Nice. He, never, he held our hands the whole time and he never stopped smiling or giggling. And at one point I was so proud of my daughter who was 18 at the time or 19. Yeah. Or, yeah. But anyway, that doesn't matter. She was young. <laughs> she said, as you tell her. I said, you know, as this young girl from Canada, how can I make a difference in the world? And he just held my hand and he said, you know, preach that we're all one without borders or judgment. Mm. And it's so true that we are. We are all one without borders and judgment. judgment. Oh, my gosh. Especially right now, you know, with everything going on, it's we're all one and we I just feel like people are so riddled with fear right now. And we just have to remember that we are all one. What yes. happens to one of us happens to all of us. And so, and we can reach out and we can hold on to our bands. I love and that. Also, another part is to keep our windows open yeah. as well. Right. Yeah. The importance of leaving our windows open of our vans. Yes. In our case, it's a pink Cadillac. We have a pink Cadillac that's a convertible. So everything's open because people need to be able to reach out for you. Of so course. to be open for people to reach people. out and ask you. And so that's another thing. And, and that's kind of our philosophy for our women's get togethers and our women's groups and our community and these events is to come and join us in our big Cadillac. And uh, just I love it. I'll hear you. And I love it. Tell um, my listeners where they can um, um, get, how they can access some of these events. Very, very clever website, funfabfrisky.com. There you go. (laughs) And we would love all of anyone listening to join aboard our pink Cadillac. Our windows are down. We are there for you. Mm. You are there for us. And we would love anyone to join our fun, fab, frisky girls day. Come play with us. (laughs) Sounds fun. I want to come. Yeah. We're counting on you to be there. It'll be super fun. So, and mother daughters too. We love to include mother daughters. Oh, of course. So, so nice. Well, this has been absolutely a delight. Thank you both. Thank you for your hearts. Thank you for your transparency. Thank you for sharing your pain and, and touching many lives. You're curating such hope out there in the world and please keep doing it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Pat. Yeah. Well, thank you, Pat. And thank you for everyone who listened. listened. And uh, have a great, a great day. And don't forget to 
play. play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to play. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.